Welcome to the HU Pirate Ship Podcast. You can find us at www.hupirateship.com where we talk about the pirates. It's free and anyone can join. Verified pirates are treated to inside information about Hampton and HU Athletics. I'm your host, Big Reek, Tariq, a.k.a. Tariq from the HU Pirate Ship website, and I'm a 2000, uh, year 2000 alum. We also have Hamptonite from the HU Pirate Ship. What's going on, Hamptonite? Nothing much. How are you? Uh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. I sat out in that rain or the, the drizzle for Norfolk State, so I'm, I'm, I'm over the, I'm over that uh, weather and the game. So uh, I'd be happy to talk about it. But how about yourself? Oh, I'm, I'm awesome. You know, it's a beautiful weekend now. It's Monday, so we're ready to get back to the work week. But a little bit melancholy after watching. Well, I didn't watch. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't as brave as you. But after finding out the Hampton score, after I saw the Hampton halftime score, but it is what it is. It's still got a lot of season to go. Yes, indeed, indeed. So, yeah, this is week four of the podcast. So, um, you know, fourth episode. So hopefully we're getting better each week. Um, so we'll kick it off and, and review uh, this week's uh, past game against Norfolk State. And we'll talk about the upcoming game against A&T. So, um, yeah, as Hampton and I said, actually, I made it to the game with some uh, some family, some other Hampton folks, and, um, you know, the first half was, it could be, might be the best half of MEAC football I've seen in years. Now, you know, we all love MEAC football, at least everyone listening to, the, listening to this broadcast, but at times, you're watching the games and you're just wondering how in the hell is this happening? I mean, we're talking about fumbles and people tripping and you know just just bad play but uh mm-hmm. you know this game the first half was excellent i mean teams looked prepared you know everyone was in shape you know there were strong runs crisp passes you know good tackling low penalties you barely even knew the referees were there i mean mm-hmm. you know you could tell that the two teams were well prepared and are headed in the right direction so i mean i was i was impressed and so it seemed like everyone that i was with at the game um and it helped that we were up uh, we were leading at halftime, uh, fourteen to seven. So I mean, it, it was pretty impressive first half. Um, yeah, it was it was, uh, it was it was very encouraging. So I, we felt good going into the second half. So uh, yeah, yeah, and I think it was a testament to both coaches, um, Latrell Scott and Ham- at Hamptonian, and um, we both stayed in Moton Hall together. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and. Uh, and I think Connell Maynard and and reason and with his regime, I think we are getting glimpses of what it can be. And I think those glimpses make it so much that we're deeply excited, just ecstatic. But it is what it is, it's a glimpse. So we're not fully seeing what his his team has evolved into. We're seeing his team evolve, and it's still an ongoing process. Agreed. Go ahead. Agreed. Perfect, man. Right on. I just think we get a little bit excited because we, we've seen what it can be at times where it looks unstoppable. So like, you just have to remember that it is a process. So we're in, what, year 1.5, you know, this is the midway <laughs> point of the restoration process. So, yeah, we must try and be patient here. But, uh yeah, this game was the first half was excellent. So, you know, I, I just want to give, you know, props to NSU for putting together a, a good a good start to that game. And uh, like you said, Scott is a, a great coach as well. So I think this, this rivalry is going to get better uh, as the years go on, as long as they can, everyone can keep the bands together. So 
And uh, many of our issues came from, you know, the play of Norfolk State. These things didn't happen in a vacuum. Um, sometimes people apply pressure and you make mistakes. So you got to give props to them as well. Um, you know, the, the, the weather was nice. I think folks were scared away because of the, um, the forecast. It, it did rain and, and drizzle, but, I mean, it was, if, you're, if you're playing on the field, it was actually uh, great football weather. So it was actually a pretty good day uh, to watch a game. So, I mean, well, so, you know, what we'll do is we'll get into the good and the bad, except uh, this week I like to start with the bad and get that out the way and move on to, you know, some areas <laughs> where we did some things well. So I think for me it's quite simple. I mean, the bad was the entire second half, <laughs> and the good was the entire first half. So we'll just uh, provide some, some uh, thoughts on, on why we think, you know, things were good and bad. So, Again, the bad was the entire second half. Everything that is wrong with the team showed up in the second half. Um, they lost their balance, uh, lost their composure. Um, in the second half, they had eight passes uh, and four runs to start the half. So, you know, they lost the balance that they seemed to have uh, from the uh, from the first half. Um, I'll just go down and talk about, you know, the offense uh, and talk about, you know, some things that I didn't like. Uh, from an offensive perspective in the second half. So I'll go through the first couple possessions, and that will shed light on what on what I saw. So to start the half, the offense had uh, three straight incomplete passes. Uh, one of them was a big drop. Um, they turned the ball over pretty quickly. That drive only took 27 seconds. The second possession, they had a 12-yard run, a four-yard run, and then they had a first down, if I can remember correctly, but then I was wiped out by an unsportsmanlike uh, conduct uh, penalty. Wiped out that first uh, down, set them back. Next pass was an incomplete pass, another drop. And then Wofford had an interception. Interception That took all of 55 seconds off the clock. And then a the third possession, it was just a three-yard run, a 14-yard run, an incomplete pass, a complete pass, and another incomplete pass. And that took one minute and 16 seconds. So the first three, third, first three possessions took about four minutes um, uh, during the second half, and uh, basically I, I tr- uh, you know, uh, attribute that to they lost balance. Um, the running game was working in the first half, but you know they didn't seem to be committed to it in the second half for whatever reason. Um, Wofford in the passing game just came off the rails due to drops. I mean I mentioned there were a couple drops in the second half, bad pass protection because then they got into a known passing situation. And uh, they just pinned their ears back and came after Watford. And uh, lack of a run game put all the uh, pressure on the pass game to make plays. And for the first time, uh, Watford looked human, uh, you know, for a prolonged uh, period of time in the second half. And he was hit quite often in that second half. So um, this is the worst I've, I've seen in offense. And it, like I said, I think Norfolk State applied pressure and Hampton just became unbalanced and made things easy for Norfolk State. And then also Mixon didn't have his normal uh, game. Who knows if that was scheme or something else, but he just had two catches for 17 yards after averaging over 100 yards per game um, in the other contest. So the whole passing game was uncoordinated. So, you know, and, and, and you can see all those things in the second half. So just any other things to add on there, Hampton Knight, as far as the offense goes? Um, I think we still suffered from the hangover with Howard. Um that pretty much was the game that it looked like it appeared that the team got up for. They wanted to they wanted to annihilate Howard, which they did. And I think that they felt that 
this is all that we want to do for the moment. And by doing that, you have Norfolk State next week. And Norfolk State is just as big, just as as hate-filled, and I think this rivalry is probably at its peak because I think, what is it, what, 27 and 25 and 1 now uh, with Norfolk State leading? And if that's the he says, if that's the case, then you have to get up for the next week. And I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't. I'm not going to put that on the manner department. I also think it is that the culture. Um, some of these players might not know the culture of Hampton, meaning that you beat Norfolk State. Right. I mean that. It, that is irregardless of anything else. And um, it seemed that the Norfolk State players just wanted it more. And when when you want it more, you're just going to do whatever it is uh, that it takes to actually to produce a positive advantage for football. And I just think at the at this time, uh, the players just seemed to mail it in once things started going downhill. And I think that is probably the hardest thing to overcome. Yeah. I agree. And, and, you know, and I think this, this sort of goes back to last year. It's been something we've seen during the whole Manning regime is just finishing games. So I don't know what that is attributed to. I mean, we, I am certain that he is preaching finish, 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 but for some reason over, you know, a year and almost a half, it just has not happened. So I can only think of maybe one game that they finished strong and it might've been Bethune Cookman from last year. Other than that, yeah. Um, every second half is a struggle for whatever reason. So, you know, perhaps he's still building his roster and, and building the kind of guys that, you know, he needs and flushing out some bad memories. I'm not sure, but it's, it's definitely a thing, uh, you know, with yeah. Maynard and his, and his yeah. team. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I definitely think that, I mean, we can't just say these guys are rose players anymore because I only think there's probably no more than less than eight players that, or maybe eight or ten players that, that are holdovers from his regime. I just think that at certain positions that we really need the actual depth, we just don't have them. And when that happens, those are positions that once they start flooding, the whole dam bursts. That's true. And I and I think that is what we're seeing off um, on the defensive line at times, and of course the running back at times, running game at times. And those are two things that you need deep into the fourth quarter uh, because, of course, teams want to run the ball to take time off the clock and to nurse the lead. And same way if Hampton had a – if Hampton decided to run the ball more in the fourth quarter, then, you know, they're keeping the ball out of uh, other teams' hands. And I just think those are just things that as the program progresses, we will see more up, but as of right now, we're just not seeing it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, you know, as you mentioned, time of possession, we can talk about what happened to the defense on the defensive side of the ball to start the third period. It's very basically the mirror opposite of the Hampton offense. I mean, offense couldn't possess the ball, so the defense was on the field. So their first possession, they gave up uh, a drive, 13 plays, 69 yards, seven minutes mm-hmm. and 14 seconds. And they, they did hold at the end to, for a field goal. Uh, second possession gave them nine plays, 69 yards, three minutes, 56 seconds. That ended up in a touchdown. And the third possession, that was a quick one. That was three yards, three plays, 38 yards, 
that took a minute and seven uh, seconds off the clock, and that ended up in a touchdown as well. So, I mean, if you know, Norfolk State had the ball um, almost 11 minutes for that hold for the third period, and they scored on every possession. Um, the defensive side, you know, it was, again, it was the mirror opposite of what happened in the first half. I mean, they were gashed for big runs. I mean, everything was clicking for Norfolk State. The run in the pass, they didn't take anything away. So they were on their heels um, during that third quarter. Hankerson was making big throws, I mean, dropping dimes the way um, that we've seen Watford uh, do all year. And Hampton, they did blitz a lot more than I at least can remember, but uh, for a multitude of reasons, they weren't getting home. Um, and when they did get home, they just missed the tackle. So, I mean, and Hankerson is not, you know, he's mobile, So, but he run, he wants to throw the ball. So once he breaks the pocket, He's going to drop it down the field 30 yards right in somebody's hand. So that happened several times, which just demoralized the uh, the unit. Uh, one other thing is just, you know, they were collapsing the right side. Their offensive right side of the line was collapsing our defensive uh, left side of the line uh, for many of those drives in the third period. I mean, they were just, you know, gashing them for 10 yards uh, right over, you know, some of our, our more experienced players. So I think that was due to fatigue and some, you know, and fatigue and just, being on their heels and, and you know, that, that, that dam just broke open in the third half, uh, primarily due to just being on the field for so long. So, yeah, the defense, you know, took the brunt. <laughs> defense also contributed as well in that third period. So that was also uh, not a good sign. Yeah, yeah, I think def- yeah, definitely not a good sign. I do think that, uh, and it goes back to the offense, you know, if we're able to establish the run more, if we could at least just gain a little bit of momentum on the offense to at least give our defense a breather. Sure. And and when we think about our offensive line and um, and some of our schemes, I know uh, Ketchum likes to use the, what was it, the 3 3 5 scheme. Sometimes you'll see a 4 2, uh, what was it, 4 2 4 scheme. And those are good. Those are good schemes, but sometimes you might not have the right guys out there. Case in point, with the three three five, I noticed um, you might have a light in the butt defensive lineman out there, and those linebackers might be sp- spread out a little too thin, yeah. and so it that just makes it really easy for for a lineman to get off to the second level and just hit the the, the Mike linebacker and. The, the Sam linebacker, and I've, we've seen it too many times. And I think they've tried to cover it up more by going the fourth down linemen, but it just seems that other defenses are other other programs are just seeing something to exploit, and it's just causing a lot of problems for the Pirates. Agreed, and you know, and that, and it has, it's, it's something about an adjustment in the second half. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if teams are you know, trying to do what they normally do in the first half and it's not working because of I, I think they're giving up an average of like seven points per game in the first half, but yeah. that second half, yeah. man, something just breaks wide open and it's a wrap. I, I don't know <laughs> I don't know what that is. But they're pretty stout early on. And uh, also one thing I've noticed is that um, they're, they're pretty they don't seem to be pretty, they don't seem to be exotic or um, do a lot of crazy things on defense. I mean, they just want to line up um, mm-hmm. Some too deep coverage and 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 win and make the quarterback make mistakes. Uh, it seems like with Norfolk State they they blitz a lot more than they were used to and 
it just seems like things weren't in sync as well. And when they did get there, you know, it just didn't pay off. So I and and, yeah. and there were a lot of substitutions, especially in the secondary, which is not yeah. something I'm used to seeing. They're still trying to figure out, you know, what's the best combination of guys to get on the field. But there were a lot of subbing in and out, um, you know, on the defense. So I think they're still trying to figure that thing out too. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely because you don't see uh, some of these guys mainly for me. Sometimes if I'm watching a game and I'm and I'm always I always have the roster handy because I'm like, okay, I see number fourteen out there. Who is number twenty and who is number thirty three? Right. And you know, it's just like, okay, you know, are they getting breathers or and but it goes back to the way the offense is treating the defense. If you have to continuously sub out defensive backs, that means that your players are getting gassed and that they're winded. So whatever it is that the coordinator should do, then I think that is something that you probably would need to look at, whether it's uh, blitzing more or running more zone plays, um, outside zone plays, because a lot of teams will like to attack the corners. So whatever it is, it just needs to be done. Yep, agreed. And yeah. So, and one thing I saw that was also uh, kind of apparent during this game was the special teams. As we said yes. in earlier, earlier broadcast, like they're not special. And uh, I noticed that there is not a special teams coach, at least identified yes. on the roster. So I don't know yes. how that's coordinated, but uh, it shows. It's showing. I mean, there was nothing that had to be had on special teams uh, against Notre and- Dame. Yeah, and that is pretty much the pride of Hampton because Hampton has always had a great special teams player or they've had a great special teams play. Uh, whether it was, it used to be Jeremy Gilchrist and Tony Punts and Kicks and Kevin Peel. And, um, of course, everybody remembers um, the guy that went to the Texans. It oh, was, Jerome, uh, Jerome Mathis. Yes, Jerome Mathis. Marquette McDaniels. <laughs> Mark Quentin again, I don't even know how I forgot these guys. He's yeah. still in the CFL. And he just won a CFL championship not too long ago. Okay. But, you know, Hampton has always had uh, at least a great returner, a great punter, and a great kicker. Because if we go back, we had Andrew Panarini. Then we had Cameron Muro. These are these were All-Americans in the MIAC and All-Americans actually in FCS football. But with that being said, we just have not seen them. Uh, we just have not recruited those types of players in the past, I would say the past five, five, almost even into the Joe Taylor's latter years. Yeah. But that is, that, that is something we do need to take a look at. Yeah, I mean, remember last year we had a kicker who came in and he was preseason MIAC first team. And last year it just ran off the rails. I mean, he couldn't even make extra points. Um, yeah, yeah. Primos, yeah. Primos, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it, apparently it has to do with coaching because we don't have a dedicated yes. coach to that, and that is still a depth thing because some of your backups. I actually mm-hmm. saw some starters playing special teams this game, but uh, it yes. didn't seem to make much of a difference. So Yeah, yeah. That, that's not an advantage. So basically, you know, you're, you're, you are giving away an advantage in a, third of, a big third of the game, so that's not – helping with field position or any, any sort of momentum swing. So special teams mm-hmm. still are not special. <laughs> yes. So, 
Yeah, so I, I think, you know, everything like I said, everything that was wrong with the team you know, all year showed up in the second half. But the first half was encouraging. Um, they, they, the team looked great. I mean, it was everything that we wanted, everything that we had talked about last week. I'm sure they're not listening to us, but um, they're watching the same tapes. They they have a lot more in-depth information. So what holes are with the team, I'm sure they know. So they've worked to correct those things. So they actually ran the, ran the ball pretty well. I mean, passing is still the first um, you know option for the team. But when they wanted to run the ball in the first half, they ran it very well. Um, there was only one penalty in the first half. That is pretty amazing. In the MEAC, I don't remember the last time the Pirates have done that. They did have one turnover, which led to the only uh, Norfolk State score in the first half. But Norfolk State had to work for everything. Even that touchdown off the turnover, they had to work for that. So, I mean, the defense was stout again in the first half and made everything uh, difficult for Norfolk State. And, again, they just took a lead to halftime. So, I mean, you know, everything was clicking in the first half. Team was poised. They did have a slow start, but once they got it together in the second quarter, it was, it was lights-out football after that. So, I mean – the the ingredients are there, um, you know. They just have to put it together for four quarters. But the first half shows what was possible. I mean, and as Maynard said, I don't know if it was some hyperbole, but he did say before the game that Norfolk State was better than Richmond. Um, I'm not sure about that, but I mean, they were a good, solid team, and and they played them uh, pretty well in the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree, and. Um... That's a, that's a testament to uh, Latrell Scott. And <laughs> so, yeah, definitely agree. Yep. So cool. So, yeah, we, we broke that game down, put that in the record books. We, we, that's two two straight down, two straight losses in Norfolk State. I got some NSU alums in my family, so I got to hear it. <laughs> I got to hear it, so it's all bad, man. It's all bad. But uh, we'll get them. <laughs> we'll get them. <laughs> I'm with you. I got you. Yep. So, yeah, let's go on to the MEAC scores. Uh, a couple buys this week, so not a, not that many scores to go over. Uh, Florida State lost to Tennessee State 30-14. Uh, to 14. The wheels are officially off the Florida State train. Um, we are more you mean, uh, you, You're <laughs> talking about FAMU, right? Yeah, FAMU, sorry. Yep, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, other uh, the other Tallahassee team. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm sure Earl Holmes is somewhere smiling. Oh man, but smiling but sad because that is that is his alma mater, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yep. So family lost to Tennessee State. Morgan State beat Howard. That was closer than what everyone thought. Out in Chicago, yeah. they won 21-13. Savannah State lost 42 to 12 to Bethune Cookman, and of course we lost 24-14. To Norfolk State. So this week, I think mm-hmm. they got a full slate um, of MEAC games, but uh, conference play is officially underway. We got North Carolina A&T up next. Uh, we play them at Armstrong Stadium this week, so you know, I have some uh, thoughts on North Carolina A&T in the upcoming game. But I'll let Hampton I take off and uh, you know, give some thoughts on uh, the Aggies and what we can expect uh, against them this week. Well, we always pretty much play the Aggies close when we're playing at Armstrong. Um, I think we beat them last time they were up here for our homecoming. And it was, uh, I think, I, our first win of the season. But they still have that high-powered bat. Tariq Cohen, I think he's, what, a uh, five foot six, five foot seven, Dan Sproles type of bat. 
Uh, he has a low center of gravity where, and he has a quick burst, quick burst of acceleration that basically he can run up and he can run up in those A and B gaps without even being touched because he's that quick and that low to the ground. He also can catch the ball out of the backfield and the flat, which makes him probably one of the most dangerous chess pieces in the MEAC. Because if you have to put a linebacker on this guy, he's going to break angles all day. And um, if you think about it, uh, he's probably one of the best pass protectors for his size as a running back at, uh, in the MEAC and at A&T. And if you notice that their best quarterback last year was Sean Wick, isn't even starting. They have a new quarterback, and even the drop-off has not even has not. We haven't even seen the drop-off. I really think that A and T will probably be our toughest challenge. That in South Carolina State, and they bring a lot of momentum into Armstrong. I mean, I know they did play UNC, and they, um, they but they just beat a CAA opponent in Elon, fourteen to seven. So you know it was a heavy defensive battle at Elon, and that will probably be one of the biggest tests for us this year. You thought Richmond was tough? No, North Carolina A&T will definitely bring it. So I know Maynard is having his pep talk because he does not want to lose two games to his alma mater, and I know he feels that way. Agree, agree. Excellent breakdown. Yes, and actually – after that, uh, the game this weekend at Norfolk State, he actually had the players on the field for for a bit. You know, uh, I'm I'm not sure what the speech was, but it was it was uh, I'm not sure if it was a come to Jesus speech or a let's <laughs> speech. But he was already starting to coach for the A&T game uh, after the yeah. Norfolk State game was was over. So I think he knows what kind of lift this is. Uh, last year, uh, we actually had a lead at halftime over A&T. I, I was at that game, too, and uh, I was everyone was shocked. Um, but the second, third quarter started, man, it was like, you know, what we're seeing, uh, what we just saw against Norfolk State, the same thing happened. I mean, Cohen just went off, uh, swing passes, all kind of things, and nobody could lay a finger on him. So, you know, we, 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 we can play with them. We played with them last year, you know, in the, in the really, the early rebuilding phase. So I think we can play with them this year again, but um, we're going to have the same same be confronted with the same issues, but like you said, I think this is the best team that they're going to play all year. This is the fastest team that we're going to play. Uh, Cone is a straight up beast. Um, you know, you 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 miss a tackle, and that is something that we struggle with at times. He's gone, so I think yeah. you know, we're going to struggle with uh, with that at times. And uh, so you would like to stop the run against A and T, um, but they pass just well enough to make you pay. And their guys on the outside are fast. I mean, I think their number one and number two receiver is like a track guy. Um, but, I mean, he's a football player as well. So, just watching some of, like, the Elon highlights, I mean, they, um, you know, they scored with passing the ball, you know. Um, so, I think I think work is cut out for the defense uh, this week. Um, uh, Norfolk, uh, I mean, sorry, A&T, they're coming off a bye, so they're going to be fresh, well-rested. Had enough time to uh, dissect uh, what was going on. I'm sure there was some A&T scouts in the field, uh, in, in the stands, to, to see what happened at uh, Norfolk State. Um, they're still, yeah, 2-0. They beat Elon. A tough game, but they lost to North Carolina, North Carolina but they scored 14 points. Um, and at times it was, I won't dare, I won't say competitive, but 
you know, they, they made some plays against uh, the Tar Heels. So, I mean, they're, they're good. I mean, they're just good, and they're fast, and they're quick, and, um, you know, they, they're going to run right by you offensively and defensively. So uh, I think the work is cut out. I mean, they were predicted to finish first uh, in the MEAC this year, and Cohen is the uh, preseason player of the year. So um, he's averaging, you know, 100 yards a game on the ground. He also catches the ball well out of the backfield again. So uh, it's going to be tough. Um, so it all depends on, you know, what they want to do this, this week. I mean, you know, if if there is a hangover, and it's a wrap, it'll get ugly quick. It, they won't have to wait till the second half to, uh, you know, to, <laughs> it'll, it'll happen in the first half quick. Because that's also a, oh. a fast turf we have, too. So, I mean, that, that's absolutely uh, A&T as well. So they better come out swinging, man, or else. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, this I mean, this is not this is not a make or break uh game for the season, but this is the game that if we if we do not put a good effort, we would probably start to see a slide. Because our schedule gets difficult as we continue. Sure does. And um and but who I mean, my thing is though, whoever made this schedule, I mean, okay, I'm good with Howard being the second game of the year. But Norfolk State right after Howard, I mean, you're just having rivalry games back to back, you know. Uh, I mean, I I don't want to make an excuse for that, but uh, I mean, that's just not. You don't see uh, Ohio State and Michigan, and then Michigan playing the their Michigan State the next day, you know, the next week. Yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm just I'm gonna get away from that. I mean, this is football. You're supposed to be ready for this. But A&T will present probably our biggest challenge. But our biggest positive is the fact that we're at home at Armstrong Stadium, and they will pretty much meet us on our terms. Agreed. Agreed. So again, I've been preaching it all year. I think we've seeing what happens when you don't do it. Yeah, but, I mean, if you run the ball, you keep Watford, you know, they keep everything on balance. They like to play action pass. I mean, we play action pass when it's third and long. So, yeah, you know, exactly. if there is a running threat, then, you know, it's even more effective. So, yeah, I, I would like to see Cohen sitting on the bench. And if that's happening, then, then we're, we're in good shape. If he's, like, ripping and rolling all over the place, on a blue turf, then it's going to be a long day. So um, I think the Pirates can win. I mean, they've led. They've had commanding leads over everyone this year. So I think the same thing will happen. But, again, it's how we're going to finish. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how that goes this week. Absolutely. Um, just to still a play from the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles playbook, if you notice when Darren Sproles would get out of the backfield, they would – pretty much knock him off his route so it could uh, stop his timing, of course, with the quarterback. I think, I'm hoping Mike Ketchum, who is listening, is thinking about this. Because Tariq Cohen, if he, if he gets in that secondary, if he gets around a linebacker, he's breaking ankle. Well, you know, the thing is, though, everybody tries to stop this guy. Yes. So, I mean, and and you could scheme it up all you want, but if he got you one-on-one in the open field, you're losing. So, like, the guys will be in the right place, and their ankles just gone. So, I mean, like, mm-hmm. they got to come yeah. in, They got to come in waves. They got to gang tackle. 
and they got to punish him when they get there. And uh, yeah. you know, make him think twice, hear some footsteps, and keep him on a bench. <laughs> keep him on a bench, keep him cold, man. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty much the biggest thing, the biggest challenge for Hampton, is to keep their keep the opposing team's defense. Well, no, to keep our defense off the field. And uh, because they have a propensity to wear down pretty quickly. So, I mean, maybe it is we might have to steal something from another playbook, but, hey, if we're going to put in, I'll say run that fullback, you know, run a fullback off tackle, three-straight plays, get them tired. Right. <laughs> right. Well, well, let's hope Let's hope we, we see that commitment to the run and balance and, and give the defense a blow. But, uh, yeah, man, that, that's uh, that's all I have for A&T. And um, I'm hoping for a good focus week. Hopefully the boys are mad and looking for some redemption. And uh, we take it out on A&T. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I, I'm excited, and I'm sure I, a like a lot of us will be on Hampton Nation. And just, if you can, make the game, um, watching the game. And I'm, I'm hoping to see a more balanced effort from the team this year, well, with this game. Agreed, agreed. So with that, let's move those chains. And uh, I'm Tariq, uh, Big Reek from the HU Pirate Ship. And uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.